Hello, and welcome to the Spring Church audio blog. My name is Matt McCoy, and I'm the pastor at Spring Church. For this coming Sunday, we're going to be looking again at kingdoms and the kingdom of God and what does that mean. And so the title of the blog for Friday is, We Cannot Exist Outside of a Kingdom. And that's the important claim I'm making in this blog is, we live in a kingdom and we cannot exist outside of a kingdom. Look, I realize we don't often use the word kingdom in modern culture, and when we talk about a kingdom, we're likely thinking about a geographic reality like the United Kingdom or the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And while those are certainly kingdoms, limiting our imagination to merely geographic kingdoms will hamstring our ability to understand why the Bible places so much emphasis on the kingdom of God. So I want the starting point of our definition to come from the, wait for it, dictionary. The basic definition from the dictionary of kingdom is a realm associated with or regarded as being under the control of a particular person or thing. And while I want to draw your attention to that word realm and think about things that go beyond geography, a realm can include relationships. A realm can include architecture. A realm can include social constructs. Try thinking of a realm as boundaries. Hey, while it's a tad unusual for us to use the language of kingdom to describe our world, it's worth the effort in order to better understand what the Bible is trying to tell us. And the Bible is trying to tell us that living in a kingdom of, is one of the most normal, natural things we do. Let me give you four examples. First, think about the place where you live as a kingdom. If you live in a home, in a homeless shelter, or on the streets, there is a rule and an order to it. There is a structure to when and how you come and go, when and how you eat, when and how you sleep. That structure is provided by someone. Maybe it's you by yourself. Maybe it's you with someone else. And maybe it's entirely by someone else. Even if you've never paid attention to it, there's a social order to who's in and who's out, and expectations placed on those who enter the kingdom of where you live. So if you were to come over to my house and enter the kingdom where I live, Denise and I would expect you to treat our family with kindness, and we would expect you to eat a common meal with us, screen-free, at dinner time. These are normal, healthy boundaries for us, and that's what helps us govern our realm. Second, think about a school as a kingdom. It doesn't matter if the school is a preschool or a graduate school. There are strict rules about who can come in, when they can come and go, and how all the people in the kingdom of a school must behave while they're there. When I visited my kids in elementary or middle school, I had to wear a name tag that said visitor in very big letters. I was expected to abide by the rule of the school district when I was within the realm of that kingdom. These boundaries help establish a kingdom which accommodates anyone who meets the criteria for being a student in Bellingham Public Schools. And those boundaries, when working properly, help a student from any background get access to a great education. Third, think about a shopping mall as a kingdom. Again, there are strict rules about when someone can come and go. Parking, walking, and eating all come with boundaries and guidance. The architecture of this space is huge, much like the medieval cathedrals of old, with icons, they call them advertisements now, showing pictures of the ideal human person of that kingdom, using relics, they call them products now, of importance within that realm. Fourth, Remember back to Chaz Chop last summer in Seattle during the Black Lives Matter protests? People created an autonomous zone 
And then they immediately got to working to building a kingdom. They called it Chaz or Chop, depending on when you were looking at it. Some voices got elevated and some got expelled. They planted a garden. Kind of made me think of the Garden of Eden, actually. They ate together. They sang together and played together, which significantly is the three movements of a spring church worship service. They established their own armed police force. They locked arms together around the boundary of their realm as a display of unity trying to keep the bad out. See, once we start thinking of kingdoms as realms with boundaries and rules, we start to see how these kingdoms are everywhere. I mean, our own polarized political culture is a constant clash of kingdoms, whether it's Liz Cheney being attacked by Republicans for critiquing Trump or Mayor Jenny Durkin of Seattle being attacked by Democrats for not being liberal enough. We simply cannot exist outside of a kingdom. As the, word, as the Bible uses that word kingdom, we cannot exist outside of a kingdom. So, with our imagination around kingdom growing beyond geographic realities and including any realm associated with or regarded as being under the control of a particular person or thing, let's check in with one thing Jesus said about God's kingdom being bigger than geography. Jesus makes clear that the kingdom of God is already among us. Like when he gave the Pharisees an opportunity to expand their imaginations in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. And this is uh, from the translation of the message. Jesus, grilled by the Pharisees on when the kingdom of God would come, answered, The kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days on the calendar, nor when someone says, Look here, or there it is. And why? Because the kingdom of God is already here among you. Living in a realm associated with or regarded as being under the control of a particular person or thing, and that person being Jesus, is something that is already available to us. Wherever we live, inside any school we might enter, and within every shopping mall, we're invited to take those realms and submit them to the authority and control of Jesus. We don't leave these realms in order to enter the kingdom of God. Rather, the kingdom of God comes to those realms. This is what we pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Our imaginations need to be able to understand that we live in a kingdom, and we cannot live outside of a kingdom, in order for us to engage with a very important claim I'm going to make on Sunday night. That is, God's kingdom is better than a kingdom of our own making. We started this exploration of our last service when we looked at the challenging situations Hannah was facing and then compared and contrasted her responses to how we might respond in a similar situation. We concluded by discussing how Hannah helps us reimagine our place within God's kingdom. And for those of you listening to the audio blog, I included a slide in the blog that has the things that people wrote and their responses to these questions. And I, I love that element of Spring Church where our, our sermons are interactive and, and we're asking and engaging with questions that cause us to wrestle with this particular story and how Hannah shows us what the kingdom of God is like. So, you know, in this coming Sunday service, we'll be looking at the story of Hannah again and examining how her responses to the challenges she was facing help us learn how we can participate with God's kingdom no matter where you are. 
And if your imagination is still wondering about how the Bible describes life as being lived within a kingdom, I invite you to write, watch uh, the Bible Project video called The Tree of Life. And there's a link to it in the blog. And I love how that particular video shows this element of how God's kingdom is available to us everywhere we go. Many thanks for joining us at the Spring Church audio blog today. And I hope to get to see you at uh, church on Sunday as well. Shalom.